Hello. We are Mark and Katie Steed, and we're looking forward to discussing Doctrine and Covenants, sections 46 and 47, with you today. To let you know a little bit about us, we've been married for 14 years. We have five children, four girls and one boy. Uh, Mark is a neuropsychologist at the Utah State Hospital. Katie has worked for the last two years as the Disability Specialist Manager for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Prior to that, she was a professor of education at Brigham Young University for 15 years. We are excited to announce that Katie just released her first book, Promises I Make When I Am Baptized at Eight. You can order this book now through Cedar Fort or Amazon. Okay, now we're going to get started in our review of Doctrine and Covenants, sections 46 and 47. As we studied this together, we noted three major themes, and they were inclusion, spiritual gifts, and keeping a record of our history. We're going to delve into each of these a little bit more in detail. In the Come Follow Me manual for Doctrine and Covenants sections 46 to 48, it begins by reminding us to seek ye earnestly the best gifts. And then it provides some background for us, and it talks about how Parley P. Pratt, Oliver Cowdery, Ziba Peterson, I'm thinking that's how you say it, and Peter Whitmer Jr. left Kirtland and moved on to other fields of labor. They left When they did so, they left over 100 converts who had plenty of zeal but little experience or direction. There were no instructional handbooks at the time, no leadership training meetings, no broadcasts or general conference. In fact, there weren't even very many copies of the Book of Mormon to go around. Many of these new believers had drawn to, to the restored gospel by the promise of marvelous manifestations of the Spirit. And they realized they needed to have some discussion about this with them. So soon there were some unusual expressions of worship, including falling to the ground, writhing like a snake. They were introduced into their church meetings. Many found it hard to discern which manifestations were of the Spirit and which were not. Seeing the confusion, Joseph Smith prayed for help. I think it's important that the manual points out that the Lord's answer to Joseph Smith is equally valuable today when people often reject or ignore the things of the Spirit. Mm. The, war, the Lord revealed that spiritual manifestations are real and clarified what they are. Gifts from a loving Heavenly Father given for the benefit of those who love Him and keep all His commandments. Yeah, that, that, that instruction is important to remember. Um, so... As we begin, let's talk about this theme of inclusion. At the beginning of Doctrine and Covenants section 46, uh, the manual reminds us that, quote, all earnest seekers are welcome to worship in the Lord's Church. Meetings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints should be among the most welcoming and inspiring gatherings in the world. Let's read in Doctrine and Covenants 46, verses 5 and 6 how the Lord counsels us to receive those who attend our meetings. And again I say unto you, ye shall not cast any out of your sacrament meetings who are earnestly seeking the kingdom. I speak this concerning those who are not of the church. And again I say unto you, concerning your confirmation meetings, that if there be any that are not of the church, that are earnestly seeking after the kingdom, ye shall not cast them out. 
upon reading this, the manual invites us to think about the following questions. Do your friends and people in your neighborhood feel welcome at your ward's worship services? What are you doing to make your church meetings places that people want to return to? And ponder how your efforts to follow the Holy Ghost in church meetings can affect your experience. As we thought about what this looks like in our meetings, a few stories stood out. Yeah, I remember I told you a story that I don't think I had ever even shared with you before from Mm -hmm. when I was a young woman growing up um, in Portland, Oregon. Had I ever shared that story with you? No. That's what I thought. I remember where it was there in sacrament meeting in our ward there in Portland. And a, a man came in and he sat down on a bench during the sacrament meeting. Now, this was a man who looked like life had been hard. He probably hadn't showered for several days. His shoes were very worn. And I can remember he was even missing some teeth. And as he sat there in the chapel looking much different than the rest of us who were freshly showered and in our Sunday best, he suddenly began to shout out things like, Amen! Praise Jesus! Mm. And I can remember feeling very concerned by this man's actions as a, as a young woman. Yeah. I was probably about 14, 13, 14 years old. In fact, to be honest, the feeling in the entire room was really quite awkward and tense. Mm. During this tension, a woman that was sitting, a woman in our ward that was sitting towards the front of the chapel turned around and looked directly at this man. I am certain that all eyes were on this woman as this and this man at that moment. She continued to look right at him, and then she smiled the biggest, most sincere smile I have ever seen. Hmm. Everything about her reaction to this man exuded love and acceptance. The loving act of this woman was enough to change the entire dynamic of that entire meeting. I remember that I was no longer scared. I never, no longer felt awkward or felt any awkwardness in that room. The way that this woman welcomed this man, she was truly following what we read about in Doctrine and Covenants section 46. When, when it says, I say unto you, ye shall not cast out any of your, out of your sacrament meetings who are earnestly seeking the kingdom. I thought that was such a good reminder of yeah. that. Yeah, she was living that scripture. Now, as, as we were preparing this podcast, Katie and I remembered a story that our neighbor shared with us about the time her teenage daughter was wanting to push the boundaries with what she wore to church. I think she was pushing a lot of boundaries, too. And that was one part. (laughs) This teenage daughter deliberately selected the shortest skirt she could find, the tiniest top ever, and added wild tights and crazy hair. Her friend said that her daughter showed up to church that day just daring anyone to say something to her just knowing that that would give her reason enough to validate her desires to stop attending church. And as her daughter walked in, a different mother in the ward saw her, stopped, looked at her, smiled, and this sweet sister just wrapped her arms around her and said, I am so glad you're here today. According to our friend, every member did nothing but love and accept her daughter that day. And subsequently, her daughter continued to attend church, And now she's currently the mother of five and the young women's president in her own ward. Such a great example. Yeah. 
two really great examples of this scripture. And we would, uh, it wouldn't be reality if, if we didn't also mention that we also reflected on a story that was a non-example of this scripture, really. Um, you know, in my line of work as a professor in the field of special education, my research focused on faith and disabilities and how faith can can help increase the quality of one's life, particularly with people with a disability. And so I would often interview parents who had a child with a disability. And in particular, I wanted to know what their experiences were like at church. And so I had many conversations with this with this population. And I'll never forget a story that one mother shared with me. She shared that she was sitting in sacrament meeting with her child with disabilities, a young child and who also had disabilities. And the child was making a lot of noise, like children do, and particularly a child with a disability. Um, This was really typical for this child to make noise. And quite honestly, the mother said she didn't even really notice um, that her child was even making noise, you know, and, and that's easy to do when you get so used to that. But then the man in front of her kept turning his head to look at her with a very displeasing look. Finally, the man said, can you take him out? I cannot focus on the speaker. The woman told me that uh, she took her child out and she was a bit embarrassed and she, she found herself sitting in the foyer taking care of this child out there so that this man could listen. And as she was out there, she was doing her best to try to listen to the speaker as well from, from sitting in the foyer. And then she said to me that she couldn't help but laugh at the irony as she suddenly realized that the speaker was talking about having patience and charity. (laughs) And she said the thought occurred to her, I'm sorry, I'm keeping you from learning about patience and charity with my noisy child with a disability. So there are there are many examples and non-examples that can help learn the scripture better, right? That's true. But it just reiterates the message in DNC 46, 5 and 6. I'm going to read that just again. And again, I say unto you, ye shall not cast any out of your sacrament meetings who are earnestly seeking the kingdom. Can I just pause you right there? I think it's important, too, to keep in mind, there are some times that as a church for security purposes um, and, and different reasons, some people are asked not to be on church property because I was thinking about that and reflecting on that. And I thought it was it's good to point out cast um, you shall not cast any out of your sacrament meeting who are earnestly seeking the kingdom. Right. And I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. But keep going. Yeah. And then in verse six, it says, and again, I say unto you concerning your confirmation meetings that, that if there be any that are not of the church that are earnestly seeking after the kingdom, you shall not cast them out. And may we consider the insights from the Come, Follow Me manual one more time. Meetings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints should be among the most welcoming and inspiring meetings in the world. Ask yourself, do your friends and people in your neighborhood feel welcome to your worship services? What are you doing to make your church meeting places that people want to return to? You know, I thought that that question in the manual was particularly um it, it particularly speaks to our time right now as we're coming back with COVID. You know, let's let's look at that question. What are you doing to make your church meeting places that people want to return to? Mm. And I think that's a general question, but particularly with COVID, people, it's, it's comfortable. Uh, I've had mothers say that have children with disabilities say, 
it's much easier to just do church at home. My child, I'm not bothering anybody. It's it's Sundays are are easier this way. And so what does that need to look like so that our sacrament meetings are a place that no one feels that it's not a place for them? Yeah. We're going to move now to our next theme in this in this section. And this was a fun one to study about spiritual gifts. In Doctrine and Covenants section 46, verses 7 to 33, so a lot of verses here. We won't cover all of them, but we'd encourage you to, to look through those. We learn that God has given spiritual gifts to bless his children. The early saints believed that God, um, oh, I lost my place. <laughs> the early saints believed in spiritual gifts, but needed some guidance about their purpose. And in Doctrine and Covenants, section 46, verse 8, it tells us that, Wherefore, beware, lest ye are deceived, and that ye may not be deceived. Seek ye earnestly the best gift, gifts, always remembering for what they are given. Here we are admonished two, two key things. To one, seek the best gifts, and two, remember for what they are given. That idea of seeking, I think, feels very familiar to us. Mm-hmm. I do think, however, I could do better at remembering for what they are given. That's true. That kind of stood out to me more this time. Yeah. Elder Robert D. Hales said in the Enzyme, February 2002, These gifts are given to those who are faithful to Christ. They will help us know and teach the truths of the gospel. They will help us bless others. They will guide us back to our Heavenly Father. Some key things stood out to me from Elder Hale's quote. The first part was, we need to be faithful to receive these gifts. What does that look like to have that faith? I can remember at a time that I was so confident in the things God had provided to others. I truly had faith in that. It was also clear clear that he had directed others' lives that he had forgiven them of mishaps. I literally had no doubt that he was there for others. And then there was this thing that was really troubling me at the time. And it seemed so minor and yet mattered so much to me and seemed to somehow find its way into so many of my thoughts and worries. I remember at the time, as I was focusing yet again about these worries and concerns, an impression came to me that said, have enough, have enough faith to bring these concerns to me. I will help you. This idea was really powerful to me. I hadn't even realized that in not coming to Christ with what seemed like a silly concern at the time, I was indeed not showing the faith that mm. I needed. Yeah, that's an easy trap to fall into. I mean, it's such a great thing to remember. You know, Elder Hales also reminds us that these gifts will, one, help us know and teach the truths of the gospel. Two, they will help us bless others. And three, they will guide us back to our Heavenly Father. Elder Hale's words are a strong reminder that the, a great role of these spiritual gifts what is as a means for the benefit of the children of God, as we read in verse 26. And all these gifts come from God for the benefit of the children of God. You know, it, that makes me think of when we were talking with our kids the other night about the priesthood and how, you know, the only way somebody uses the priesthood is to bless others. And you can't use the priesthood to bless yourself. Yeah. It made me think of that, that, you know, these are wonderful things and, and they're given for the benefit of the children of God. Yeah. 
I love what's said about the spiritual gifts of under the gospel topics. And let's turn there to help us better understand a little bit. It says, each faithful member of the church has at least one spiritual gift. I like that. Me too. <laughs> at least Everybody. one. Everybody. <laughs> And the Lord encourages his children to seek earnestly the best gifts, always remembering for what they are given. The scriptures teach us of many gifts of the Spirit. Now, there are several that are listed here in Gospel Topics, and I would encourage you to take some time to read about these more online. Uh, For now, I'll highlight just a few that stood out to me. One is the gift of knowledge, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he was crucified for the sins of the world. Next is the capacity to believe the words of those who testify of Jesus Christ. Knowledges of the differences of administration is another gift. See this gift used in the administering and the leading of the church. The ability to teach by the power of the Holy Ghost is another gift. Then the gift of faith the gift to have faith to be healed, and the gift to have faith to heal. These are just some of the spiritual gifts, and these and others that are listed in the scriptures are only some examples of the many gifts of the Spirit. The Lord blesses his children in many ways according to their faithfulness, their needs, and the needs of those they serve. The manual also invites us to review our patriarchal blessing as as it identifies a source of gifts that you've been given. Yeah, as we were studying this particular part and the reminder in the manual to look at our patriarchal blessing, um, I was reminded of the time my cousin's son, um, she had a son who was only about four years old at the time. And my cousin's a little bit older than me. So um, she was already grown and married and I was still in high school and she had three sons and her youngest was about four years old at this time. And he was severely injured and it did not look like he was going to make it. In fact, I remember the, my mom telling us that the doctor said that they were giving him a 0 to 1% chance of living. It was, it was pretty devastating to hear that. And my older brother, Kevin, happened to be serving his mission in the same area at the time of this great accident where my cousin lived in Texas. And... My brother was granted permission to go to the hospital where my cousin and her son were to give this little boy a blessing. So here my brother was a young 19-year-old missionary with all the faith in the world, (laughs) giving this young injured boy a blessing. I remember that my brother was able to call home after he gave the blessing, and we were all huddled around to hear how it went. Now keep in mind, this was in the mid-90s, right? So the most advanced technology we had at the time was for my mom to push the speaker phone button on our phone as our whole family gathered around this little phone in our kitchen to hear how this blessing went. As my brother began to explain how he had blessed our little cousin, he commented that he had blessed him to be healed and to live. I remember that when my brother said this with absolute confidence and faith, my mom gave out a loud sigh. And with her fear in her eyes, she said, Oh, Kevin, I don't think he's going to make it. I don't know if you should have said that. My brother then responded with total confidence and faith of a young missionary. Mom, my patriarchal blessing says I have the power to heal, and I was supposed to heal him. 
Well, although there was still a really long journey ahead in the hospital and a lot of healing, I can report that this young four-year-old is now a thriving 30-something-year-old. <laughs> and he's doing well. He, he went on to, he's going on to live a happy and healthy life. And my, tr- my brother truly had the spiritual gift of healing that we read about. I love the faith and confidence he showed as a young missionary regarding this gift for what they were given. Wherefore, beware, lest ye are deceived, and that ye may not be deceived. Seek ye earnestly the best gifts, always remembering for what they are given. Doctrine and Covenants 46, verse 8. Yeah, you know, one of the great things about that story is that you don't really realize the, the, the far-reaching effects that exercising spiritual gifts can have. I mean, I'm sure that it was a boon to your brother's faith and confidence, but it also was probably a testament to your mother. Hmm. And, and my cousin. And your cousin. And a reminder that God is mindful of the details in our lives and that he uses spiritual gifts to bless the lives of others. You know, and you actually don't know this because you weren't in our family yet because I was still in high school. We didn't know each other yet. Um, but this cousin's husband actually was not a member. And he, after this, he joined the church and they were sealed in the temple. Well, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah, incredible blessings yeah. that came from that. So it, it it begs the question, and the manual uh, reminds us, what spiritual gifts do we see in, in each other? Not just in ourselves, but in each other. And how can those gifts bless our family? Whatever our family may look like. I remember when Lucy was about three years old, we were talking about, we were teaching her how to pray and, and talking about things that she could pray for. And, this, and the subject came up that she could pray for and ask the Holy Ghost for help if she had lost something. <laughs> which well, children do. Which children do. And, <laughs> and sure enough, um, she lost her favorite milk container. At the time, she uh, wanted her milk in this particular little sippy cup, and it was really... That was red. <laughs> and it was really important to her, and she couldn't find it. And so here's this little three-year-old um, who couldn't find her milk container. And she prayed uh, to find it, and you know what? She was able to find it. And I think it's a beautiful reminder that even the simplest of us, even children, um, can have um, access to those spiritual gifts. Yeah, we were. We asked our family, like the manual said, to ask your family to identify spiritual gifts they see in one another. And I actually asked one of our children this, and, and I said, what spiritual gift do you think mommy has? And his reply was, with absolute confidence and joy, he said, me. (laughs) (laughs) So we've all got our spiritual gifts, and I've got him. (laughs) That's right. Um, So as as we reviewed our personal history to come up with stories to illustrate these principles of spiritual gifts, we were reminded of the general theme of uh, Section 47, that the Lord wants his church to keep a history. Um. Keeping a history is an opportunity to write down impressions and experiences that we have. That we might ask, as Elder Richard G. Scott said about this, is there any more that I should know? So keeping and reviewing our history provides us with reminders of spiritual gifts and spiritual experiences that God has given to us. So when times are challenging or darkness and despair seem to abound, 
that we're reminded that not all is hopeless, that there are still good things in the world that prove to us that we are cared for and loved by a Heavenly Father who knows the end from the beginning. Now, as a cognitive neuroscientist, um, I have to comment on the, <laughs> the benefits of writing things down. Um, as we write things down, our experiences, the likelihood of remembering them increase, increases dramatically. Um, in fact, uh, writing therapy is actually a treatment modality that is used to help uh, individuals sometimes who are struggling with anxiety and depressive symptoms. Um, furthermore, the brain encodes more rigorously those things that are learned in multimodal learning. So, for example, if you hear it, then you say it back, and you hear it, and you write it down, um, that type of learning in, in, is one of the most helpful modalities to, to encode and retrieve information. It's because writing is one of the most complicated learning activities we can do. So it's literally the opportunity to have the past before us and in a way that reminds us constantly of the future that God has promised us with spiritual gifts as we seek them and as we live worthy of them. I love that. I love that it's um, the opportunity. Writing is the opportunity to have the past before us. Mm. I love that. Thank you. Such great lessons to be learned in Doctrine and Covenants sections 46 and 47. We didn't even get to 48, (laughs) but our time is up here. We have enjoyed this opportunity to share some thoughts with all of you today. We hope that they will bring you comfort and guidance as you go about your days and as you seek ways to be more inclusive, to more fully understand and use, use the spiritual gifts God has blessed you with in your life, and then to take the time to record the important histories you are a part of. We hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you.